today we're going to learn one lesson. You may not need this lesson at this moment in your life, but there will come a time where you need to hear this lesson. 1 Samuel 30 verse 4. So David and the troops with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no strength left to weep. The scenario is that David and his troops are returning back to Ziglag from a fight, only to find out that their families have been taken and there is a bigger battle to come. And this situation is so relatable to each and every one of you in the room today. Life is a fight. And every single one of you is in the middle of a fight. Fighting to get the bills paid. Fighting to finish school. Fighting to keep your marriage away from divorce. Fighting to go to work. Fighting to get a promotion. Fighting traffic. Fighting to raise those kids. Fighting to even come home at times. Fighting for your health. And what you and I both know about life is that life does not fight fair. When you're in the middle of fighting for your health, boom, your car breaks down and there's another bill. Life is a fight. This is where David is in his life. He's in the middle of battle after battle after battle. And at this point, David's men had turned against him and were ready to stone him. He was at the brink of giving up. And many of you today are at the point where you're about to give up. Standing on the edge of failure, where hell has thrown the kitchen sink at you. And life has drained you of your resources. And where people that promise you they'll always be there have left. At the point where David was, many of you are today. At this point, what did David do? David encouraged himself. His wife wasn't there, his children wasn't there, his commanders and his generals had left him. But David encouraged himself. At a point in your life, you will have to encourage yourself. Your mama won't be able to do it. Your daddy won't be able to do it. Your pastor won't be able to do it. You will have to stand as an individual and talk to yourself. I am a child of God. I will get through this. This will not stop me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Nowhere in the Bible does it encourage giving up. Everyone around David had given up. And people around you will give up. You need to have the understanding that they're not built like you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the going gets tough, the child of God gets going. When the odds are stacked against you, when hell is coming in for the kill, when retreat looks like the only option, when it looks like there's no way you'll be able to win, when your back is against the wall, encourage yourself. Because at this moment, that's when the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob moves into action. His strength is made perfect in weakness. At the point you're about to give up, at the point where you are tired, that's when the Lord's strength comes into play. David encouraged himself. David was not eaten up by the spirit of pride, where he encouraged himself in his own ability. He had the understanding and the grounding to know where his source of power was coming from and encouraged himself in that area. The scripture says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now the problem with you and me is we spend our time beating ourselves up about past mistakes, past bad decisions, past defeats and failures, rather than encouraging ourselves in the Lord we serve. 
Next time you're in this situation, you need to remind yourself and the battle you are facing who you serve. Remind yourself, Exodus 14, verse 14, the Lord shall fight for me and I shall hold my peace. Remind yourself, Deuteronomy 3:22, I shall not fear them, for the Lord my God, he shall fight for me. Remind yourself, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Whom shall I fear? Remind yourself, Romans 8:37, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Remind yourself, Ephesians 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Remind yourself, Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Here is what I believe is the major problem in your life and in my life. And it is summed up by the Lord Jesus Christ in a simple sentence. Matthew 22 verse 29. Jesus replied to him, Your mistake is that you do not know scripture and you do not know the power of God. That is the foundational problem in our lives. We do not know scripture enough. Life can be unpredictable. And this is one of the many reasons why we should have certain Bible verses memorized in our heart. Because in some situations you won't have the opportunity to open up the Bible. An adverse situation could arise while you're at work. And you may not have the time to stop and to open your Bible. But if you have Isaiah 54 memorized, you can whisper to yourself, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Speak the word into the situations in your life. Speak the word of God into situations in your life. Memorize scriptures that help you through situations that you are going through. Not only memorize the scripture, but encourage yourself with it. If you wake up in the morning, knowing today is going to be a difficult day, encourage yourself in the morning. Whilst you're in the shower, talk to yourself. Declare Deuteronomy 33, 25 over your day. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. The harder the day, the greater the strength God is going to give me. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the strength God will give me to overcome it. If you're fighting an illness in your life, remind yourself Psalm 118 verse 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. This is not the end for me. My story is not finished. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Stop relying on other people to pick you up. This is the harsh reality for some of you. The truth is, most people don't care about your situation. Help is not on the way in terms of human help. People can and will turn on you like the wind. People turned on David and he was a king. David was a king. The women used to sing and dance about him. Yet they turned on him. And you think you are exempt of such treatment. People will turn away from you during tough times. But you have a God who wants you to encourage yourself. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Your house, excuse me, your body is the house of your spirit, your human spirit. But somebody else lives in your house. It is not a single occupancy house. What does that mean? Somebody else 
lives in here besides me. Who? Pray tell. Is in there with you. Greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, friend, what a statement. What a statement. What a statement. That means no matter what comes against you out here, the one who's in you is stronger, bigger, wiser, greater. Oh, it, it'll help you immensely at times when you feel weak to just lay your hands on yourself and say, Greater, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The greater one is in me, and the greater one lives big in me. Somebody needs to say that. He is Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of our faith, and he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession of what we say. He works with what we say. God is a spirit, a speaking spirit, and he creates with his words. And you and I are made in his likeness and image, and we're supposed to imitate him as dear children and speak like he speaks and release faith like he releases. Take a look back through your life. All the hell that you've been through. All the heartbreak that you've been through. All the fake friends, the fake relatives. When people talked about you. All the hurdles you've overcome. All the challenges you've faced. He was with you. He hasn't taken you this far to leave you in this situation. God is for you. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He has a future and a hope for you. This is not the end. Regardless of the situation you are going through, this is not the end. And number two, Psalms 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning. This might be the time for you to cry, but believe me, you will get through this. You will get through this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want you to say this if you would. Look to the person to your left or to your right, in front of you or behind you, and say, God is with you. He is in the battle. Now we're going to say with authority, God is with you. He is in the battle. Now that's how it's said, right? How many of you have ever felt like, you know, you, you, just, you just feel like you're alone through the battle? You sometimes feel like this is so difficult. I just can't do this. No, you can't do it because the scripture says greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. One of the things that I've loved about this video is that what they were reinforcing, I love Lion of Judah, but I love when they put together some of these clips. Many of you might say, Pastor, why do you take those clips and spend so much time in, uh, uh, 
you know, putting it up there, maybe it's six minutes, seven minutes, 11 minutes, because I need it. It took everything within me not to just lose my composure over here. Because I realize that I know that he's greater. But I know that in my weakness, sometimes I'm very weak, but he makes me strong. I know that we come to church because we need Christ in our daily life. We need Christ in our walk. And the question today is, are you ready to just quit? And I'm here to tell you, you don't need to quit. To quit or not to quit, that is the question. Are you a loser or are you a leader? Who are you in this great race of life, in this battle? You know, it said as the clip took, you know, started off, there was David, a mighty man of valor, a man after God's own heart, who truly knew what it was like as a teenage boy to be so surrendered, and yet obstacles came his way, the fiery darts came his way, intimidation came his way. People were always saying and doing things, oh, look at you, you are the runt. No, he was actually the good-looking young man who actually took down a great big giant this morning. How many of you have giants in your life and you ask yourself this question, can I take down that giant? Yes, you can. You know why? Because God is with you and He is in the battle. That's how God is. That's how good God is. So I'm here to tell you, don't quit. Maybe you've wanted to quit on your relationships. Maybe you've just wanted to throw in the towel. Maybe for some of you, I don't know what it is, how the relationships go, but I want you to know that you could put your faith and trust in God because in this world you will have troubles. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes, we know that we too shall get through this together. Satan wants us so badly to just become a loser. He'll even let those that are so close to you say things about you to destroy your very being. Do you know that you are here today for this divine purpose and this divine, right now, this appointment is for you. This was not by accident. This was God right now doing a work in your life. And you need to understand what this all looks like. I always say this, I don't just go to church. Yes, I can sit over here and do everything I can to try to hold back the tears and try to hold back the frustration or maybe some of the emotions that I'm going through. But I know that I too have to weep. Jesus wept. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. It was a hard verse for me back in the day in John eleven thirty five, But I knew I had to memorize it. It was a long verse. Jesus wept. That was always the greatest part of those memorizing scripture when you went to camp. You always looked forward to those little small ones, not the books, but, you know, those small verses. If you would, please, follow us this morning. I'm going to be speaking out of Judges. And that's Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. You can follow with me on the screen. Or if you have your Bible with you or your, your electronic device, you can follow with that as well. We'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Here's what it says. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made themselves... Are we there? There we go. 
made themselves the dens, the caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had so Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. You know, in some of the uh, translations, it says that they would come in like grasshoppers. Just think about a fleet of grasshoppers and how quickly they move and what they do. I, I just think that was kind of a great picture for me to see as I was going through uh, the New Living Translation. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. Let's just stop right there. You remember the story of Superman, Clark Kent. We ask ourselves, was he a loser or was he a leader? And if you ask Lois Lane, I'm sure she would tell you that Clark Kent was a loser. To her, Ken is that bumbling, timid co-worker at the Daily Planet newspaper. A warrior. Too wimpy for her taste. But on the other hand, was Superman. I'm more like Clark Kent, but I try... Superman! <laughs> on the other hand, we know he was the man of steel in Lois Lane's idea of a what? A warrior. Of course, as everyone knows, Clark Kent was Superman and is Superman. The loser, in fact, is a leader. The warrior was a warrior. Had the Superman comics been around in the days of Gideon some 3,150 years ago, that Hebrew could have identified with both Clark Kent and Superman. We're going to be talking about Gideon this morning. And Gideon never flew around Israel in tights, but he did win some spectacular victories over the enemy of God's people. God even called him the mighty warrior. But there was a definite Clark Kent sight to Gideon as he could also be a mighty warrior. Not warrior, but a warrior. And as we begin and we go through this series on not quitting... On Gideon today, we're going to learn about Gideon's gig or how a loser became a leader. The time period in which Gideon lived was not such a peaceful one. A nomadic people called the Midianites made a regular habit of raiding Israel. Now watch, there were so many of them that when they invaded on their camels, they looked like grasshoppers covering the land. There was nothing the Israelites could do but take the hills where they hung out in caves and little forts until the meritors left. And this went on for several years, for seven years before the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Why did it take seven years for the Israelites to call for help? And why does it take us seven wrong turns before a guy will even ask for directions? Why are we like that, right? You know what it is? It's pride. It's pride. That's why when God heard the Israelites cry for help, He didn't at first send a Savior. 
But what did he do? He sent a sermon. A prophet came to the people and he proclaimed here in verse 8. And here's what it says. That the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear for the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. You have not listened to me. Although later Gideon would blame God for the hardships, the Israelites were the ones at fault. They had turned their backs on the God who had not saved them, had not only saved them from slavery in Egypt, but who had also given them the wonderful land that they were living in. Instead of thanking and worshiping him, however, the Hebrews adored the lousy idols and the former tenants, those that were left behind. And they continued to do this even after the Midianites started their invasions. This morning, it's hard to understand truly what the Israelites were thinking. But then again, angels must find it equally hard to understand what we are thinking when we blame God for things like the rough patches in our lives, the rough patches in our marriages. Plainly, it's our sins of selfishness contribute to the difficulties and yet we have the gall to suggest that it's god's fault for letting the for letting us marry the wrong person and i put that in quotes and now we are suffering for it or we blame god for how bored we are with life and use that to excuse how we spend our free time in sinful pursuits even when life gets difficult as a result of our sins we just don't turn to god for help help which he offers in his word instead we try to fix things on our own how well did that work for the israelites of gideon's day they ended up spending considerable time in dark dark caves thinking this was the only way that they could actually find safety from the midianites how could they have forgotten that god was their stronghold and how can we forget this Why is it we're always running? We're always hiding. We're always going back on our word. We always need to have this sign and that sign and every sign. And he showed us this sign and that sign and every other sign. And we're still running and we're still still hiding. Yet because we're more fearful. I love this song that says, fear doesn't have control of us. We sang it this morning. Fear, Fear doesn't have to take us over but that's what satan wants us to do he wants fear to cripple us and to control us to the point we're just not effective because now fear causes all of these emotions and now we don't have the emotional space and the mental space to continue to keep going but that's what satan wants from us he wants me even today to get up here exhausted and tired well i know this for certain that god is with me And he is in the battle. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And in the next few moments, Father, help me to be able to express and explain the points to today's message. To quit or not to quit is the big question. Father, I know that I'm a winner. I'm not a whiner. I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. 
I'm a child of the Most High God, and I will continue to keep keeping on. Even Paul questioned his own, his own life and his own narrative, his own testimony, because he used to persecute the church, and then you got a hold of him, and then he started seeing souls saved and lives changed. And today we preach the gospel because a great missionary, a man that, that went across the, you know, the globe to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, today, help us to take your word and understand it in its full, fullness. And Lord, reveal yourself to us today. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' holy name. Amen. At the beginning of the new year, we all do something. And what is that? It's a season where we've been trained to do what? We make resolutions, right? We, we set up goals, uh, great promises to ourselves. And uh, weight will be lost, bills will be paid off, hobbies will be explored, sites will be visited. We go through all these things that we do. And I thought it would be kind of interesting for me this morning to, to say, here we are, seven months into the year, and I want to ask all of you a big, important question. Here you are in the, the, the sanctuary of praise, the house of the Lord. Have you kept your promise since the beginning of the year? Oh, leave it up to the pastor's wife. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you quit? Like Gideon, have you blamed God for the hardships? I would have done this, but you have to understand about that. It's so easy for us to do that. You know, I, w- I was looking it up, and there was top ten resolutions that people make. Eat better, exercise more, sp- spend less money, take better care of themselves, read more books, learn new skill, get a new job, make new friends, get a new hobby. All these are things that that people make within their resolutions. And then then the one was I thought was really interesting. Focus more on their appearance. Focus more on their appearance. But having you learn like I have that most of the times those resolutions are never even dry on the paper and we quit. Life gets in the way. We're too ambitious. We were set up for failure before we ever got off the starting line. So what do we do? We quit. We quit. We're done. Quitters aren't revered in our culture, so we craft statements like these little things that you hear all the time. Winners never quit and quitters never win. When the going gets tough, the tough. Quitter, quitter, pumpkin eater. I read that in, in one of the things. That wasn't me, and I'm like, quitter, quitter, pumpkin eater. That didn't even make any. I never heard that before. But anyhow, champions don't quit unless it is cable. I'm not real sure about that either. But anyhow, we prefer and gravitate to movies like what? Rocky. Where the underdog facing unsurmountable odds never gives up and perseveres to do what? Through the glory. That the truth is, quitting is a part of our life. I think it's something we all face every day of our life. So in spite of all these cute sayings that sound good... But the real recipe for victory and overcoming challenges are that we have to learn what to quit and what not to quit. It's so important. When I look through the scripture, it is packed with quitters and it's also packed with quitting. I wanted to hang out in one passage, but there, 
There are several powerful lessons to be learned from the individuals that quit in the pages of the Bible. But I want to go back this morning in the next few minutes to this familiar story of Gideon. You know the account. He rallied an army of 32,000 men only to have God, God whittle it down to how many? 300. Then under the direction from God, Gideon wipes out the Midianites. How cool is that? With just 300. However, I want us to go back and look at the beginning of the story because like I mentioned we love to read the account of an underdog that wins an unlikely victory. However, we have a tendency to skip tendency to skip right past the quitting part of the account and in doing so, we miss some very valuable lessons. Here's what it says in Judges chapter 6 verse 11. It reads, "Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophar, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, the mighty man of valor. Think about that. Isn't that cool? Is it, wouldn't you like to be referenced as the mighty child of God, the mighty child of valor, the mighty man of valor, the mighty woman of valor? I mean, it's amazing. Here the angel of the Lord shows up. And he's speaking to him, and here's what Gideon says to him. Oh, my Lord, the Lord is with us. Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. In this introduction to Gideon and his interaction with the angel of God, there are several insights and thoughts I just want to mention. One, quit hiding. Quit hiding. Gideon was not only hiding from his enemy, he was also hiding from himself. In order for Gideon to be able to fulfill his destiny and purpose, what did he do? He had to quit hiding behind his own view of himself. God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior. God saw himself as the runt of the weakest tribe. Like Gideon, we often see ourselves incorrectly. I mean, it's, it's just it's what it is. I mean, I love going to... Uh, like if you go to the Randolph Fair, you go to the Summit County Fair, and you, you, know, you can't wait to... Now, it used to be like a quarter to get a ticket. Now it's like $5 to get a ticket. You better just save for months just to go to the local fair. That's not even fun. By the way, you know, I like their gyros, but why is everything so expensive? My wife and I used to like set money back, and I'd say, Honey, where are we at? We're at $120. Well, when you have a family of six, that's how quickly it goes, right? But I was... I, I would love to go into those things because I was always this tall, skinny, pencil head kid. And uh, so you go in there and you look in this mirror and it's, it's like curved like this. And you're looking at that thing and you're like, hey, what's up? And then that, you know, the, the Clark Kent guy who was walking over there all wimpy and frail is now like, you know, and so we're, you guys look at me like you're the only one, like I was the only guy who did that. You know you did it too. Come on, ladies. You walked over here to this mirror, and they're like, hey, 
I'm six foot five. I'm slender and shapely. I know, I know what those mirrors are like. But here's reality. We all look in the mirror and we see ourselves oftentimes by the way others see us. We believe what they say about us. You know, I'm always, you, you always get people that are, are uh, judgmental and they're critical. Much like Gideon, the angel of the Lord is standing right there, yet he's looking at himself and he says, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, he needed to have the, the little engine could type of mentality. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. I, but then he stopped and he, he looked in the mirror again and he goes, I can't do this. But see, when your face is focused on Christ, you know that you can get through anything. Because I know that he's here with us in the battle. God's here with us. And we have to believe that. See, we're always going to, to face adversity and these obstacles in our life. But we've got to remember to, to not hide from it. Listen, our own view of ourselves diminishes what God sees about us. And causes us to cower rather than to be courageous. I'm telling you that you need to quit making resolutions and get a revelation instead. Some of you have been hiding for years and months simply because you can't see yourself any different than loser, lonely, lost, or weak, untalented. Maybe you say, I'm just second best. There's people that are better than I am. But that revelation forces you to make silly decisions and to be immobilized in fear. The real question this morning, and I want to ask you, how does God see you? How does God see you? We have to have that as our final, final question. That's the conclusion. How does he see us? Number two, quit making excuses. Gideon had quit before he started. He was allowing losses in one season to cause him to quit in a new season. So when faced with an opportunity insurance that he was capable and chosen, he begins to do what quitters do. He starts to make excuses. I'm the least. You know, the Lord has abandoned us. The truth is excuses never lead to escapes or escapades. Excuses only lead to evading. We have got to quit excusing ourselves from victory. We must quit excusing to evade the challenge that scares us. We must quit making excuses that allow us to disobey instructions that we followed would liberate us and those around us. Quit making excuses. Many of us will say, I can't go to church because. I can't be in the midst of others because. But you need to be here. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. We need to be in each other's lives. You need to pour into it. We need that edification. We need that encouragement. Do you know what your kids are getting today? They're getting encouraged. They're getting uh, poured into. For some, maybe little juniors being disciplined back there. I don't know. But I just had to say that. So we've got to be careful. Quit making excuses and know that God is there as our vindicator. He's there to fight the battle with us. He's there to be with us and walk with us and talk with us. Number three, quit underestimating your strength. Quit underestimating your strength. Notice what the angel says to Gideon. Go in the strength you have. Most of us would have a much more enjoyable, meaningful, and blessed year or blessed life if we would simply operate in the strength that we already possess. Too many of us will sit on the sidelines waiting for more and more strength. 
praying for more gifts, asking for, asking for more favor, and desiring greater anointing when the truth is we could get in the fight right now, make changes now, attack the enemy forces now, take territory now, all with the strength we have already been given, right? But pastor, how's that? In Ephesians chapter 6, here's what it says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Back that up to verse 12. Can you do that? Can you back that back to Ephesians chapter? There you go. Look what it says here. Against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Have you done all to stand? Have you done everything you can to fight the good fight of the faith? Listen, you have, you have two choices. One, you can stand on the side as a warrior. You can be either the warrior like Superman or you can be the Clark Kent and be the warrior, like Gideon. Which one are you going to choose today? And it says here, to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the wicked days. Listen, it's going to happen, church. And it's time to take a stand and say, yes, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. So I ask the question, what side do you want to be on? What side have you been on? Are you much like those that are the spiritual influences that bring the negativity, that cause those to trip? Listen, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to seek counsel, and sometimes that counsel may not be the majority of others. But what you have to remember is that we've got to do what's right in the sight of Christ and in the sight of others. And quit underestimating your strength. Romans 8, chapter... Chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say these things if God is for us? What's it say? Right. We need to realize that if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen. You are stronger than you think. You are wiser than you know. You are more favored than you, aware, than you are aware of. You don't know the strength of the strength you already have because you won't exercise it and utilize it now. Use what you've got. If what you've got isn't enough, step out anyway and expect God to make up the difference. When He responds to your obedience, I am too poor to tithe. Use what you got. I am too broken to serve. Use what you got. I am too timid to talk. Use what you got. I am too unlearned to lead. Use what you've got. It is amazing that when we use what is in our hand, how often God responds with more. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, use what you got. Amen. Number four, quit waiting on an answer when you are the answer. Gideon is confronted. Now watch this. Gideon is confronted by an angel that is calling him to be the hero, and Gideon's response is, who, me? In a minute. Surely you have the wrong person. 
Surely there's somebody else that you can tap for this one. I believe the biggest issue most of us have is too many of us are waiting on someone else to rescue us instead of Christ. And church, I'm going to say this in closing. God is calling you to take action. Get rid of 30,000 men. Take the 300 you got. Get rid of the 3,000. Take the 150 you got. There's power in numbers. Take, forget the 12. Take the two. Because he said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst. Deliverance comes when you realize that, listen, we have to, we have to understand that we can't quit. We can keep moving on. Quit experiencing someone else to be your answer. Many of us want everybody else to, to fix it for us. You can take the steps to financial freedom. You take the steps to live on a budget. You take the steps to find the dream job. You take the steps to be happy. You take the steps to be whole. And then you take the steps to be free. Too many of us are paralyzed by waiting on someone else to be our savior. We're waiting on somebody else to be our solution. So, so would just give me a gift. If so-and-so would call me, promote me, remember me, or maybe help me, so-and-so would just call me. Forget that. Quit waiting on them when you truly are the answer. Chances are God won't talk to someone else about you until you listen to what he has told you about you. what you can't do to keep you from doing what you can do. You are the answer because the answer is with you. And in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So make a change today. Be the change. Be a warrior and not a warrior. Don't quit. Because victory is on its way. You're a victor. You're not a victim. You're a winner. You're not a whiner. You are not a loser. You are a leader. Allow Him to fulfill your destiny. Follow with me. This says don't quit. I love this poem. Probably one of my favorites. Here's what it says. When things go wrong as they sometimes will when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up. The pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggle 
struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So church, stick to the fight. When your heart is hit, it's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Amen? This is your time. This is your season. Allow Christ to take authority, precedence in your life. Allow Him to help you fulfill His destiny in your life. Will you receive that this morning? Let us rise together as the praise team comes. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you that today we have the great ability, Father, to know that you're with us. That even in Gideon's life and as we move forward in this to quit or not to quit series, we'll see that, Lord, we all question and we throw fleeces out. And yet we need the angel of the Lord and we need you to show us sign after sign after sign. God, help us today to be obedient to hearing. Understand that you are with us. That you are in the battle with us. So, Father, today, help us to not quit. But, Father, to find strength in you. You said the seed is within that we are anointed, that we are highly favored, that we are your children. That we have power. So Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I pray for comfort over Brother Larry. Dealing with cancer, dealing with the, the days of uncertainty. Father, I pray Jesus into his life. Thank you for how he's been instrumental in our life. And I pray, Father, that you're with him even right now. That he'll feel your sense of comfort through these difficult days ahead Father I just love you and I thank you that today you brought so many here and Father today I don't know who this was for I don't even know what the message was for maybe it was for me Lord maybe what I'm going through is for me Father but I just pray that Lord we'll just humble ourselves let go of the pride maybe grab a hold of the uh, the hand of a loved one or a friend and say let's just pray together let's go to the altar let's just sit here let's just cry out to God let us humble ourselves before you God, today, pray that you'll just transform us from the information that we've received. And know, Lord, that we can come to the cross and find hope in a Savior that will deliver us from all of the junk in our life, all of the sin, all of the iniquity. Father, we love you. Thank you for being with us today. In your name we pray. Amen.